What's it called? Advisors Ask. Well, I love that. Hi. So we're here with another episode of Advisors Ask, episode three, how to communicate with your professor. You can edit. You make me sound smart, right? Could. <laughs> the feeling that you belong here is important to your retention. And I think if you can't find it, you can create it. Thank you to the Department of Communication at West Texas A&M University. This is Advisors Ask, coming at you from KWTS Podcast Suite. In our space, we pride ourselves at being more than schedule makers. Don't forget to reach out to us on our social medias with questions or topics you'd like to explore. Follow us at WTAMU Advising Services on Facebook and at WT Advising Services on Instagram. I could pee again, probably. <laughs> I'm your host, Candace Copeland, along with Herschel Neal. And um, this is Advisors Ask. Hi, so we're back with Dr. Tanner Robertson. Um, so we left the conversation with Dr. O talking about our, our favorite place in Canyon to enjoy a nice day at. What is your favorite place in Canyon? So, depending on the weather, but it, I guess it counts either way the museum. That's, I worked there as a, as a college student. Uh, I've been there probably a dozen times a year, every time with small kids or just myself. It's kind of a treat for me. When I finish a big task, used to in the old building where we were, we were right there by, finished the old task, I would go over there and just spend half a day there. So it's new exhibits, old exhibits, just walking through that, it's a neat place. So if the days are super nice, then yeah, I'd like to get to the canyon. But but reality-wise, is it's right there. It's easy. For fa- faculty and students, it's free, so that's kind of nice too. And I don't drink coffee, which I know is weird, and everybody looks at me funny when I say that. So, but if I did drink coffee, it'd be Palace. That'd be my number two. I love the square, but uh, the museum just kind of has everything for for you know anybody, and it's it's a good. You can sit down there. There's great places to kind of hide out to do homework, but it's also kind of fun to. I go and check all the exhibits. I have friends over there, so you know it's it's great for me. Awesome. Well. We also talked to Dr. O earlier today about how students often feel like they are not responded to through email from their instructors or they're nervous to approach their instructors um, and just talk to them about anything they might have questions about. What advice would you have for those students or how would you handle that situation? If yeah, so um, I, I would say just address email as a, as a weird concept to the current student that's not a... I think a typical way that they communicate in. So, so at times we say, well, email me and they don't really understand what that means. And, 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 um, I assume Dr. O feels the same way I do about some of this is, you know, it's not a text message. So there's not an immediate response at times, uh, especially that may be a generational thing as well as just a platform problem. But, um, I would say, you know, be patient if you email someone, especially, say outside of the hours of, you know, a working time or even in depending on what's going on. So um, I would say where I see the most uh, annoyance by my students is when it's been three or four days. I think most junior seniors understand, okay, they're busy, might take a day or two to get back. Um, But I would say to kind of remedy that, one, be patient, two, give what would some action requirement in the email. So there's a deadline I need you to respond by. I would appreciate you to respond by this by a certain time. Uh, most of the time we get emails, information emails. We get 60 to 80 a day. Um, and so some of those are really easy to delete if there's not a required response. Some we read, we do read, and we just don't realize that you need us to respond to that. And so a call to action at the end would help that. And the other is is 
vary the time that you're you're sending it. Uh, so let's say you send it in the morning on a Monday and you haven't heard anything by Wednesday, send it in the afternoon. Uh, perhaps you're sending that email when we're in class, when we're not in our offices, we're in advising, for example, and um, or when we're just busy. So um, that would help to vary that time frame as well. And then the other is vary the way you communicate. So if email is not the response that you're, you're getting through email, you're not getting a response, call, go by their offices, um, ask a peer, um, track us down. We're, we're here somewhere on campus. It may not be in front of our computer email, and I don't like re- responding to emails on my phone. And I'll be honest, my biggest problem is I read them on my phone. I'll respond to that one. Just get back to my, my office, and then you you forget. So uh, it's we're human, and so consider that as well. So I would say vary when you send it. Um, be patient. We are human, so sorry. Uh, and then um, that call to action, I think, is most important for me. I had a student a few years ago. She figured out if she would email me the same email three times in a row, it would annoy me enough that I would respond. So I'm not saying that's a great way, but it worked for me uh, and for her. And we, we kind of laughed about that. And, and she shared that with a few other students. Um, and some of them still do that. But um, it's uh, the other thing is don't cry wolf, obviously. If it's not a big, huge emergency, don't, don't respond like it is. Um, but in some instances with advising, you're trying to get into a certain class before it fills up. Um, I say reserve those moments where you email someone three times in a row for those those types of situations where you really need them to respond. So uh, we're we're pretty attuned to kind of figuring that out. So but those are good good advice. It's a good struggle uh, on the side of concerned about faculty. I mean, most of us I think try really hard to connect to students. We may not be able to do it as well as others, uh, but we're human. Approaches, uh, you know, we're not. I don't think terribly scary people, but uh, to others, they could be. Um, And so I would say that if you're nervous or scared to approach faculty uh, through communication, then uh, then, then pick one that's smiley, that makes good eye contact first, and then kind of build up that (laughs) that, um, confidence to to talk to the ones that may not be as smiley or are easy to approach. So, um, and for those, even me on this campus, I work with these people, um, you know, that are all business, then, then make it all about business. No small talk. Just get in there, ask a question, and to say thank you, and then leave. So, Very good. Does that, does that help? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it helped me already. Yeah, so I'm you're gonna good to I'm going to start emailing you three times in a row. Please room. don't. No, no. <laughs> no that's not an invitation to do that. That's, <laughs> I'm just but it kidding. is a way. So uh, we've talked about Gallup strengths on here a couple of times, and we are a Gallup Um, based campus. So I've seen professors with their strengths on their syllabi, on their email tags, on their doors. How can students use this as an indicator on how to communicate with instructors who utilize it? Right on. Uh, So in in Department of Ag Sciences, which is where I'm at, we do have them on our doors. um, And um, at times we put them in our syllabi, depending on the classes. And so we've, we've, I say adopted it, We've, we've come in I, I, for one, believe in the, the strengths-based uh, information. I've tried to trick it a few times. I've taken it, I don't know, seven or eight times over a period of, of my life in graduate school. As a young faculty now, um, I've, I've sent it to people in my family, and I, I, I tend to agree with my strengths and others. And so uh, I would say if you're going to use that to help communicate with faculties, learn what those strengths are and what they mean. Um, I think one of the best tools that has come out recently with the, the Gallup poll, the strengths-based um, kind of whatever we call it, is those those categories that these strengths fall into. 
Um, I'm very social and all of my categories or all of my, my strengths fall into either social uh, or the other one. None of them fall into, you know, the one that should be, that's the getting stuff done category. If, if you know that, then that helps me, uh, has helped me in the past realize how people want to be communicated with. So um, strategy, ask a lot of questions, come in with some ideas, maybe a little bit of planning. If you're uh, it's those strengths don't fall in that category, then then they don't want to play what if. Uh, they want to do something else with their time. And so understanding what those strengths are and which of those four kind of overarching categories, which I'm fearful I can't name any of them. Is there a good resource students can refer to? Because there's quite a long list of just a, a good capsule description of those. Yeah, I, I'm, that's a great question. And I'm sure we had that at one time on our website that because it's not always it's readily a, apparent. Yeah. I don't think. So if you go to wtamu.edu slash buffstrong, it's on there. And so the four categories are executor. That's the one I have nothing in. <laughs> strategic, <laughs> relationship building, got, and influencing. Yeah, I've got two in relationship and two in influencing, or do three wanna, in influencing. Do you want to say your top five? Sure. Uh, and I don't know what order they are, but I remember that. So my I know my first one is adaptability, um, which is... Uh, I live and die by that, unfortunately. Connectedness, ideation, woo, and individualization are my, my top five. How do you feel like they help you communicate with students? So um, the biggest kind of revelation for me when I first took these these strengths uh, tests or whatever you call them, some evaluations, is the explanation of who I am. Like it gave some level of uh, aha for me that, okay, this is why I've pursued grad school. This is why I do ask the questions I ask when I meet people. Uh, this is why I value relationships and friendships like I do. And so I would say from a communication standpoint, it explains to me why I communicate the way I do. Um, and I think for students, the same would, would go, hopefully the same revelation would occur. And hopefully that's partly why WT has adopted the strengths-based uh, kind of curriculum. Um, but I think that I'm fearful that people will stare at my list and, and, and say, this is who you are. We're, we're way more than the five strengths that t- float to the top. But I think it says as much about who we're, we're not. And I think that's important in communication is, again, if you have zero in executing and you're talking to somebody who has all five in executing, they don't want to play what if. They don't want to small talk. They want you to get your question asked. They want to get back to their you know, life of whatever they're, they're accomplishing. Um, mm-hmm. And they want you to go home. Yeah. And, and get out of their, their space. And so I think that that's a great way to utilize this for communication is just to understand what it is people value. They're good at usually what we're good at is something we value. So what we value is, you know, if it's ideation, for example, uh, we want to do 30,000 foot view pie in the sky type things. Great. Yeah. You know, let's talk about that for a little bit, but eventually we, you, if you're executing or one of those, um, you know, competition, um, you want to get down from that view and get down to kind of what we call brass tacks, whatever that means. <laughs> I've looked that Did up. You, since you've studied these a little bit, is there um, one strength that you don't have that, that learning about strengths uh, helped you understand other others who uh, just annoyed you before or seemed like there's something wrong with them. So and understanding well, that they had a certain yeah. strength helped you um, see. I'm trying to remember the strength itself, but I was working with a graduate student a few years ago and I won't use her name because I think one of you will know her. Um, and she was not an ad communication, which is what I teach historically. 
she was coming from the ag business curriculum side and was getting her master's in, in ag communication. And um, we had a lot of really good conversations and some were heated, as you could imagine, <laughs> working on a district or a thesis. Um, and we came to the revela- revelation one day in my office. Um, it is, it's not input. Um, she's hard to convince that her opinion was not the right way and whatever, whatever strength that was. But once we came to that, once I realized that was one of her strengths, I quit trying to communicate the way I was with her and said, all right, listen, you're, you're, you think you're right. It's belief. It's belief. Uh, She was number one belief. And I thought, okay, that means that you're, you know, faith based. And I think it has some level to that too, but her beliefs were so strong in the things that she, I considered opinion. She considered them fact. (laughs) And so we, we had to agree to disagree on some things, um, but it totally explained her, her approach at me because normally this person was super kind, super nice, very uh, just respectful of space titles, you know, that thing. But when it came down to the things that she really believed and and her research was something that she, she'd pick something that she really believed in. And I was wanting to change that and it was not going to happen. And so once I realized that uh, and read up on, on that particular strength, I was like, okay, that explains a little bit about why we're getting this pushback. Um, when we didn't normally get that kind of uh, reaction from from this this person, so that's a good good example. I've got many, but but that's the one I come up with in this moment. Well, then it's nice that we have a common language on campus that we can use to explain differences between us using strengths. And I I don't I'm just really glad I'm big. I believe in strengths. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing about strengths was back when we all took that. Uh, it was pretty universal the. Um, you know, how much everybody followed up with it is varies, I think. But the one consistent seemed to be that everyone, when you get first get that, you know, long readout that's just tailored to giving you some information about yourself, supposedly, people were, it was almost eerie that it was so accurate. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, so that, that kind of, because some of these things are kind of reductive. I don't always buy into some of these. Yeah, like what dog, dog breeds are you? That's uh, those, <laughs> yeah, the, that's what we were used to colors, and kind of acclimated toward before like, Strengths came out. Was, Buzzfeed, what Disney princess are you? Cocker really Spaniel, by the way. Is, this, there's probably something to this. That's way too close to to me. Yeah, yeah. and like I said, I, I've tried to trick it um, to, to to make certain strengths pop up because. You know, if you because you want you, to you know your strengths and in in a ses, as essence you know your weaknesses and I want to be, you know, on the third floor of my building. I'm the only one up there that doesn't have achiever. I do I, not have it either. Out of almost all the faculty, and I want achiever. You know, and I just I can't have it. I, I tried very uh, uh, three or four times, and I can't get achiever to show up in my top five. Well, I think it's good and bad that you want it because I mean, I want command. Like I want to walk yeah. into a room and everybody just starts paying attention to what I have to say. And like you can get those results in other ways. Right. So Herschel and I talked this morning about how I'm so weirded out that I don't have empathy because I cry at Cheerios commercials, you know, like I <laughs> cried on my book on the way here, you know, listening to it, but I do have individualization and woo and like woo is woo. Uh, you're really good at like wanting a certain result from an interaction, you know, it's winning others over. And so you know how to get those, even if you have to be a chameleon and individualization is finding out what people 
uh, what makes them tick and what gives them energy and so and what's important to them and so those two together couple up and pretty closely mimic empathy fools people into thinking that you have (laughs) yeah fools people into thinking you actually care (laughs) but i mean you are getting that achiever result yeah just in a different way and so that's what's really cool about strengths we probably have to stop talking about strengths at this point right frank because we're getting pretty close okay so frank did want me to ask you one more question okay that makes me nervous (laughs) so you and i are both from very small towns in west texas how can a student coming from a small town um know everyone in the small town um go from talking to them day by day and then going to a little bit bigger of a place and start asking you know around asking questions getting help right I tell you, for me, my experience at WT is my first friends, quote friends, air quote friends on this campus were staff or people that adopted me in a way. And and they were in advising services uh, or the version of advising services at the time. And they knew my name. And that's what I was used to in a small town is adults, everybody knowing who I was. And that kind of kept me out of trouble. But it also gave you that kind of sense of security wherever you were in town. And so um, I would tell students that came from a small town that it, it's just going to take a little time. I mean, I, I literally packed my car twice going home uh, and was convinced to stay. Um, and I'm glad I did. But it took it just took me a little time. And so it started with Sammy Artho, who I just found out is about to retire after 17 years on campus, being my, quote, first friend. And then I got to making a few connections in the resident hall. Uh, residential uh, directors, hall directors were critical. They would grab me and make me go to certain events on campus that I didn't really want to go, but I needed to go. And so, um, and then eventually get involved in my major, um, which is ironically is, is we're in that building now um, and making friends that way. But it took me um, probably longer than I expected. And you don't realize, I don't think small town kids, that the people that you grow up with are your friends that you've you know, you have 26 friends that were kind of built in, at least in my case. And so I had had to make a friend in 18 years. It just kind of happened. And so I had to kind of learn what interest I had and how those align with other people on campus. And it didn't take long to, to kind of realize. It took about two semesters, a, a year, before I felt comfortable in my own skin on this campus. And in all fairness, the people around me helped me build that confidence to do that. You know, saying hi to somebody in the cafeteria and them saying hi back. Um, allowed me to do that again t- the next day. Um, and so I think our campus is, is ready built to, to help support students with staff and faculty and, and just the type of students we attract. Um, but I know that's not true for everybody. And so I think that if it's not a general just kind of aha moment for you in a resident hall, cafeteria, wherever it was for me, JBK, uh, I think there's plenty of organizations on campus. They're easier to find than they were when I was a student here 20 something years ago. Um, but the OSIL office would be a great place to start to look for where's my my people, where's my niche, where's my organization I want to get involved in. And the beauty of that, too, is if it doesn't exist, you can start it. Um, since I've been on campus, I've seen probably a dozen students start organizations uh, for that very reason and purpose. And so uh, I think inclusion at any level and the feeling that you belong here is important to your retention. And I think if you can't find it, you can create it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We're happy that you got to come speak with us and 
maybe we'll all go to the canyon. We day, should. When it's actually nice and it's not brown outside. That's it. I, it's my fair weather canyon guy. It's got to be <laughs> 72 degrees on the dock, under 10 mile an hour winds, so and on a Saturday. One time a year. <laughs> yeah. No, I never get to go. Thank you to the Department of Communication at West Texas a University. Don't forget to reach out to us on our social medias with questions or topics you'd like to explore. Follow us at WT Advising Services on Instagram and WTAMU Advising Services on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Advisors Ask. Make sure to follow us on our social media. Tune in for more podcasts.